Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is February 28th, 2024. Hope this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good. Work was pretty good, went well. I will say I got kind of sucker punched by the weather, as is, you know, like, you know, Ohio tradition. Where and but I will say this time I feel like my um, my weather app kind of fucked me. Like when I heard the high and low for the for the day, I thought it was gonna be in the 60s. Well, apparently the 60s came and went real fucking fast because we went like right into the 30s, and it's been like in the 30s for like all day. So I don't know if I just misheard that, but I think other people were also just as uh, sucker punched as I was. Um, but hey, that's that's living in the Midwest. <laughs> uh, but overall, yeah, the day was good. Let's see. Also, it started cloudy. You know, skies broke up, so that was nice. Let's see. Food corner last night was the uh, Mexican beef and rice bowl. It was very yummy, very staple, very classic for me. Uh, let's see here. Is there really anything else to report on my life, on my my Joneses? No? I think you're all caught up. So let me go ahead, do my startup, and then we will get into some news. Um, a bit of an aside, I normally do this like at the end of an episode, but uh, I did want to say an RIP to Richard Davis. I know most recent work uh, is Curb Your Enthusiasm, it's on his last season, um, but um, he passed away at 76, I uh, found out today. So, you know, cheers to him, gonna drink this for him. <clears throat> but yeah, let's go ahead and get into some some news news. Um, from the Associated Press, two mayoral hopefuls of a Mexican city are shot dead within two hours of each other. Let's see here. Um, on Tuesday, oh no, let me read a little bit further here. Talking about gynecologist Miguel Angel Zavala, one of the murdered aspiring candidates, Mari Maravatio. Uh, resident and homemaker Carmen Luna said the co- said the crime was shocking and incomprehensible. The way I see it, there's no explanation for killing a person. It might have been a power struggle between them. Um, let's see. They go on to kind of like Luna's relation to Zavala. He was she was a patient of his. Said he was like a really good guy. Made it like he was really nice. Did a really good job. You know, was really friendly. Um, it's very unfortunate because it's one of those things where you can see even in this person, um, you know, in their quote, um, she goes, while she hasn't voted in years, whether it's one or the other, everything stays the same. Luna said the killings left people angry and feeling powerless because if the government doesn't do anything, you can't do anything, which, you know, I, I completely understand. Like, you feel very immobilized by these situations because what are you going to do? Take on a whole goddamn gang and kill yourself? Like, no. Um Let's see. There was also another person who was murdered. Uh, state prosecutors said Tuesday that Armando Perez Luna, uh, no relation to the previous Luna, Carmen Luna, um, was found shot dead in, or was found shot to death in his car in Marvatio just before midnight. He was the mayoral candidate for the Conservative National Action Party. 
Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if like these two were of different like ideologies or whatever, um, or anything like that, but it does kind of go to show that, you know, these gangs are saying, Hey, like we are trying to send you a message that we can hit you. Like this is the start of your campaign. You're just thinking you want to do this shit. I think, uh, the, a group called civic data, they noted that, um, yeah, Civic Data said five people intending to run for office were killed in Mexico in January. That's crazy. Um, and just also overall, like, the numbers were really high in terms of political violence. Um, uh, let's see. And it, it just seems that, like, 2024 is going to be even worse. So, you know, that's very unfortunate. You know, there's, a you know, obviously an upcoming election. I believe it's June 2nd. I'll definitely try to keep you posted on, you know, what's to come from here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a scary thing. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not, you know, I don't love any kind of politician or anything like that, but you can hope that these people are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to do a good thing. And it, it's a scary thing to try to put your life on the line for that. You know, we've covered other people, um, you know, other politicians and shit that have, you know, lost their lives, you know, trying to step up and say, Hey, like I'm trying to do the right thing. And it's just, boom, 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 you know, um, and it also sucks too because it's like, well, you're they they automatically enforce this kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you're gonna have to work with us, and they go harder on these mayors because like that's really where where they're actually doing their work is at a local level, and like if you have a mayor that's actually going to say no, I'm going to get in the way of what you're doing, like that jams up your operation, and you don't want that. So I think that is part of the reason why they are sending such a strong and broad message where you're just going to say, hey, we're going to hit anybody who steps up to us. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit since I, I saw that story pop up on my feed. Well, let's see, let's move on to another story that's been... Uh, Shout out a lot, talked about a lot, uh, especially on, uh, you know, the social spheres, you know, leftists are kind of going crazy right now. Um, but yeah, leftists and liberals, I should say. Uh, let's see, from Reuters. Michigan's 100,000 uncommitted votes challenge Biden's Israel stance. Let's see. President Joe Biden's reelection campaign faces an arduous task uniting his party after Michigan Democrats waged a massive protest over his support of Israel's military campaign against Hamas in Gaza. Excuse me. With 95% of the votes counted, Biden won Tuesday's primary with 81%, but 13% or more than 100,000, I believe it was like 101,000, uh, people cast uncommitted ballots in a state where a large Arab American community and other progressive Democrats vented their anger at Biden's uh, support of an Israeli offensive in which tens of thousands of Palestinians have been killed. Now, it's said in here that um, the group, which I, I wish I had the name readily available, but I don't. Um, but um, yeah, just over 101,000 voters cast uncommitted ballots, far more than 10,000 organizers said they sought, and pr uh, prompting some to speak of plans of a, national, a nationwide movement. When Democratic President Barack Obama ran for re-election in 2012, he faced about 21,000 um, yeah, 21, uncommitted voters in Michigan's primary that uh, that year. Now, this is one of those things where 
this has been one of those situations where I believe in 2016, Trump won Michigan. 2020, um, Biden won. And I, it might have been a close call there still. So this is one of those things where this could be very telling. If people are going to stick to being uncommitted, then guess what, man? Like, you might lose out here. And if this sentiment spreads, which kind of makes sense that it might, like, this could be, one again, yet again, another factor that is against you that winds up maybe winds up losing you the election. Now, it's crazy, too, because... Neither Biden or Kamala said anything about this when, you know, referencing and talking about the primary win. They just kind of, you know, said their shit and moved on and let it like let the spokesman kind of take the brunt of it saying like, hey, we did win. We won by a very decisive margin. I believe like 81 percent or some shit. But like you're essentially saying, but hey, 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 we didn't forget about the Arab community. We're not going to forget about you guys. We're not ignoring you. But like clearly it seems like that's exactly what you're going to try to do. Um there was also, um, let's see here, uh, Joe Biden was on Seth Meyers, right? And uh, there was a protest outside of 30 Rock um, where that like that's filmed or whatever. And uh, a, I believe like a prominent actress, model, whatever, Hunter Schaefer, she was um, arrested for the protesting. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that you just don't want to see if you are Biden administration, if you're trying to run this campaign. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, look, dude, like, you are doing this shit. You are supporting Israel and all the shit that you're doing. Like, like he's trying to, like, do this thing where he goes, oh, like, hey, we're, we're working on a ceasefire. In fact, hey, Jack, we that shit should be done by Monday. He just fired that shit off. No one is saying that there's going to be an actual ceasefire, that negotiations have gotten to that point. Like, we're not there. But, like... Joe Biden is doing everything he can to try to say, hey, I'm doing my best. But, like, no, you're not. The only thing that you're doing your best at is supporting Israel, which people are seeing, and they hate it. They Everyone dislikes that. I mean, granted, there is a poll here. Um, Democrats overall support Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas conflict by 61%. February polling by Harvard-Harris shows. Um, but that's just a puck and pull, man. I, I'm sure there are some people, like, once again, who are just kind of blindly on board, like, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, I, I, I stand with Israel, I know what happened on October 7th, and they leave it at that. They aren't going to do any kind of fucking digging. But at the end of the day, if you know how this shit's set up, and you're looking at this shit from a broad's eye view, which I think, or bird's eye view, I should say, which I think a lot of people are doing these days, it, people are not just sticking their heads in the sand like goddamn ostriches, they're, they're, they're actually looking around, they're actually seeing the history of these things, and they're saying, dude, this is fucked up. Like, not to mention, you don't even need to do that. When you're seeing kids getting blown up every fucking day, you're going to feel a way about it. Like, you're not just going to be like, oh, wait, we're giving these people that that ammunition. Like, we're supporting this shit. Like, our president is standing by that. So it bothers people. Like, when you are uh, someone who is an actual progressive, when you're someone who is actually trying to, like, you know, see some change, like the, the kind of shit that Biden promised, you go, wow, this is yet again, another example of how this motherfucker is failing. So I do find myself thinking like, man, I wonder what's going to become of, uh, you know, this election. You know what I mean? Obviously a lot of election talk everywhere all the time this year. Um, I, I should mention too, obviously Trump's on the other side here. Um, Nikki Haley is still running and, uh, Ted Susan is still losing. That is a, uh, jet, was it a jet moto thing? Uh, that's an inside joke for someone who doesn't even listen to this. Sorry about that, but whatever. Anyway, I am, um, 
like I don't know what Nikki Haley is really planning on doing other than just hanging out. You know, she's just like now, you know, the vibes gal. Um, but hey, kudos to her. I know Co- what is it, the Koch brothers, they officially like stopped funding her campaign. They're like, hey, wish her the best. You know, we're rooting for her, but we're, we're going to focus our money and our time on like uh, more down ticket shit, like other, you know, policies other republican bullshit they're not they're not really putting a stake in the main fucking campaign anymore so yeah i mean i kind of you know after this really don't care too much about the primaries i know super tuesday is coming up um but i will say that's that's why this um you know hundred thousand um you know what is it I'm, i'm missing the word god damn it um uncommitted votes like it it is doing something it's not nothing um there was something else i wanted to pull here uh the votes are enough to send two uncommitted delegates to the democrats to the democrats national convention in august our delegation plans to hold the democratic nominee accountable to our community's anti-war agenda at the democratic national convention in chicago in august said listen to michigan there we go i'm so glad i read this uh said listen to michigan one of the groups behind the uncommitted vote that was the the group i had heard about the most in this situation so yeah i mean how do i personally feel about it i find this interesting in a good way you know what i mean um does it sway me personally and how i'm going to vote no it, it really doesn't like i still don't feel like i'm convinced that I should not vote, which it's still weird to me that we've gotten to this place at like that, like that's kind of the conversation now where I, I, I hear people who are obviously even more left than I am just saying, you know what you should just do is just not vote. Like, uh, like, like take the shit all the way. There are some people who are in this movement who say, oh, like we're doing this to pressure Biden. Like we want Biden to understand that these are the stakes that he could lose. We could not come out for him and that could happen. And there's some people who are like completely maximal about this and saying, no, I've already decided I'm not going to vote for this. In fact, if you go out and vote for Joe Biden, whoever, you're a coward. I've literally heard motherfuckers like yapping about this fucking shit. And I understand it. I understand being not upset. I get it. But me personally, I still think that we are going to boil down to team sports and you're going to have to pick one guy or the other guy, you know? And if you pick no guy, well, guess what? You're, you're, you're picking by omission in my mind. And that's not to say that I want, I'm saying this to influence or push anybody. I'm just saying like, hey, I'm still probably going to wind up voting. Um, you haven't convinced me yet. Because once again, if you, if you're, if you, my, my thoughts and feeling about this is if you are pushing an inaction, that's not enough. Like, that's just as useless as, like, well, no, it is just as useless to me. Like, you have to give me some kind of action then. Like, organize me to do something else. That That is where I'm at. You know what I mean? So I don't want to to push that narrative on my listeners or anyone else. At the end of the day, if you're not going to vote, though, I completely understand. I completely get it. I've covered a lot of shit, not just the Israel-Palestine shit that gives me so much pause on Joe Biden. I get it. Um... But yeah, I mean, uh, I still don't love Trump or anything like that. I'm still not rooting for him or any goddamn conservative you put up on the goddamn map. But speaking of conservatives, I'm going to take this time to segue into our next story from the Associated Press. McConnell will step down as Senate Republican leader in November after a record run in the job. 
So I was really hoping when I first heard this news that he was like gonna be out like sooner than later. I, I gotta say, hey, before I get before we get too ahead of ourselves, he's gonna be in the Senate till 2027, but he is gonna be stepping down from his like you know main role as uh what is it party leader or whatever the fuck Senate leader yeah. Um, but yeah, you can say party leader whatever. I'm not wrong there. Sorry, bump the table. Uh, Mitch McConnell, the longest serving Senate leader in history. Who maintained his power in the face of a in the face of dramatic convulsions in the Republican Party um, from almost two decades will step down from that position in November. Um, McConnell, who turned 82 last week, so fucking old. They're all so fucking old, dude. Um, announced his decision Wednesday in the well of the Senate, the chamber where he looked in awe from its back benches in 1985. When he arrived and where he grew increasingly comfortable in the front row seat afforded the party leaders. Um, I'm, I don't feel like quoting this asshole. I don't care. I will say, fun fact, I learned, um, what is it? Uh, Ronald Reagan was calling this motherfucker Mitch O'Donnell because he, Mitch O'Donnell, because he didn't know his name. He just couldn't remember this fucking loser. And uh, he's like, well, you know, hopefully they remember me now. Fuck you, Senator Palpatine-looking-ass motherfucker. Um, I mean, I'm glad he's going to be out. Uh, Like I said earlier, uh, McConnell said he plans to serve out his Senate term, which ends in January of 2027, albeit from a different seat in the chamber. So, yeah, I mean, I will give this guy credit um, for being an evil son of a bitch. He sure, like, ran his shit. Like, even to the point of, like, other Republicans did not like this guy. And not to mention, he was doing, like, old-school Republicanism in a time where we've, like, clearly moved to, like, Trumpism. And, like, if you're not doing that yee-yee Tea Party-style shit, you're weird. You shouldn't be in power or in charge, according to, like, you know, the conservatives that really hold the microphone these days. But yet, here's Mitch McConnell. Plotting and scheming, doing his fucking chess games, his moves, you know what I mean? Y'all playing checkers, he's playing goddamn 4D chess for real, for real. Even if he's got a necrotic-ass fucking hand that he can't fucking use sometimes. Even if he's falling down some steps and, like, has, like, you know, freeze-ups and shit, you know? We were calling him Glitch McConnell, bro. Fuck this guy, dude. I don't care. Fuck you, dude. Tomato Town for this man, especially. I haven't really thrown some tomatoes in a while, but, oh, man, I hate this dude, I, I hate a bitch McConnell, I don't give a fuck, um, he's saying that, like, you know, hey, it's not for my health, it's just time, my, my wife, her sister died, and I'm, I'm thinking about mortality and shit, you know, I'm on my Marcus Aurelius stoicism shit, I don't, I don't fucking know or care why he's gonna be out, but, hey, clap it up, Fuck you, dude. Uh, good run. Fuck you. Whatever, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> Boo, this man. I- I'm sure there's more details. I-, I really don't give a shit. You can read the article if you'd like. Um, he's still going to be around. I am curious, though, um, you know, who's going to be taking the reins? Who's going to get the spot, you know, when that time comes? But sure enough, rest assured, I'll be there to cover it. Uh, I'll be badly, but I'll be there to cover it. God damn it. Anyway. Let's move on to the next beat. I don't feel like wasting time on that fucker. That old fucker. (laughs) Um, From NPR. No, Wendy's says it isn't planning to introduce surge pricing. 
Um, I wanted to use this article because um, I initially heard it as surge pricing. This is them explaining the article or explaining that a little bit better, that it's specifically not surge pricing what Wendy's is doing, but it is something that they're going to call dynamic pricing, which I will say is the same fucking thing. You're just using different jargon to try to think that we're not fucking intelligent enough to understand what you're doing. But let's talk about it. Let's get into that biggie bag. You may have seen news stories this week suggesting that Wendy's was planning to implement a practice known as surge pricing, which is when companies increase the price of products and services in real time as demand goes up. In other words, if you found yourself standing in line at a Wendy's during a busy lunchtime rush, you might be sold a more costly frosty. The hubbub came in response to comments made by Kirk Tanner, the fast food chain's president and CEO during February 15th, during February 15th earning call, earnings call. Beginning as early as 2025, we will begin testing more enhanced features like dynamic pricing and day part offerings. Tanner was talking about the company's $20 million investment in new digital menu boards and said the technology would empower Wendy's to experiment with a few novel strategies, including so-called dynamic pricing. But after news, ran, news outlets ran stories warning that Wendy's was planning to hike prices during busier times of the day, uh, company executives tried to better explain what Tanner meant. So they're like, hey, we didn't say service pricing once. We meant dynamic pricing. Essentially, they want to tell you that we're not going to hike any prices or anything like that, but instead, we're going to be offering you discounted prices. So let's say, hey, we want to have a a breakfast that you really want to come and get. So we're going to make it so that it's cheaper and you'll come to go get it. It's almost like a happy hour kind of strategy, whatever. But the big thing that I feel like they were touting about here too, which is kind of part of this little ending bundle that I wanted to kind of close out on, is they were really touting how it's like, look, we're going to have AI here. AI is going to make this so much fucking better, dude. It's going to tell us when is going to be the best time, when are these little piggies really going to want to eat, and we're going to use this dynamic pricing to make sure that you're getting the best deal. Bullshit, dog. You're going to try to juice us for as much money as you as you can, dude. And at the end of the day, you're just saying the exact same thing as what surge pricing is, but like backwards. Like, okay, man. Like, <laughs> At the end of the day, what you're telling me here, what you're giving me away here is we could just sell you this discounted price the whole day. But, like, we wouldn't make more money, so we want to drive you to our store like you're a goddamn sheep pig. Come to the trough now. It's so cheap. It's so dirt cheap. Like, come on, dude. No, you deserve all the smoke you get, dog. Like, fuck, fuck a Wendy's for that, dog. <laughs> but I, don't get me wrong. Wendy's is just the first, pe- first like, person, the first organization, group, or whatever to kind of say this shit out loud. Um... I find it so funny that these companies keep touting how cool AI is, like how this is going to make things so much fucking better. But truly, it's like, no, dude, it's just another way to try to fleece our fucking wallet. Like, that's the best it can do. And it's not even innovative. Like, you could have people do this. People do this shit throughout the year. Like, that's how um, Sonic comes up with, like, the uh, fucking... uh, 
happy hour for their drinks and, and all that kind of shit, dude. Like, you're not, you're not gaming anyone here, really. Like, it, it just feels so strange that we're hyping up machine learning, something we've been doing for a very long time now, but because it's such a cool buzzword, you just keep finding it in places, and, and motherfuckers keep wanting to run TED Talks and seminars about this shit. It's like, dog, this is just scamware. It's just scamware. <laughs> just be for real. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I do think that AI can have some some benefits, but I mean, let's let's go ahead and talk about it a little bit more. We have one more thing I wanted to cover before I let you go. But you know what that means. I'm gonna take my break. I'm gonna open up my mind. I'm gonna relax. I've I've heated up. So let me go ahead and do this, and uh, we'll we'll get a little wonky with it or wonka with it, I should say. Oh yeah. Ooh. Oompa loompa doopity doo. I've got another story for you. All right. From NBC News. A Willy Wonka inspired uh, experience scam was so bad that people called the cops people who attended a willy wonka inspired chocolate experience in glasgow scotland were promised extraordinary props oversized lollipops and a paradise of sweet treats all promoted with dreamlike candy colored images on its website when ticket holders arrived at the event over the weekend they instead found a sparsely decorated warehouse with nothing resembling the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory franchise, um, the event evoked in its advertising. Um, it was just ridiculous. I mean, very amateurish. Absolutely nothing like what was described, said Alana Lockins, who paid £35 per ticket, or $44.44, to take her two young kids to the experience. For the sake of my children, we were trying to be happy and smiley so they wouldn't uh, pick up on the disappointment and just tried to make the best of the bad situation. I will say that thing, the picture I have in the thumbnail is of that. Like, I could not imagine walking into a room seeing uh, just a lady covered in orange paint. And, you know, obviously I see you're trying to do Oompa Loompa, but you just have science fair materials in front of me and everything is smoky. Like... You look in, and it's just like a, a warehouse-looking area, and there's a place where I think you can get food, and there's like a bench you can see people eating. Um, it, it does not look cool at all. Um, though, apparently, I think a lot of this was made by like kind of like an AI kind of thing. Um, let me read my little highlighted portion here. The event website touted interactive exhibits, and images shared on the site couldn't be found elsewhere on the internet through reverse image searches. Some bore known hallmarks of AI creation, most notably strange and nonsensical lettering. Now, I, I almost wonder if that, like, like you know how it can be, like, hey, this thing looks like it has, like, like 20 fingers and, like, they're on, there's, like, five hands and shit. And things almost look right, but they're a little uncanny. Um, I, I wonder if that, like, plays into the Willy Wonka aesthetic in a way. Or, I mean, I hate to say it. I'm not trying to victim blame here. Or is it just maybe that the parents are kind of, like, suckers? Uh, I don't know. I get it. Like, I, I can understand 
you know, there's a bit of maybe a Willy Wonka vibe craze trend because he had Timothy Chalamet, um, you know, in that whole movie. So you're like, hey, you know, my kids, you know, know about Willy Wonka now. And I remember Willy Wonka when I was a kid and shit. And, you know, maybe this thing is going to be cool. And, and you just say, hey, this will be worth a try. Um, and then you get there and you're like, oh, my fucking God. This is looks like Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> this looks like Five Nights at Freddy's, dude. It's it, it's bad looking. Um, and then there's the other half of this, too. Where we're going like, to let's talk about the staff, right? Two actors hired for the event who spoke to NBC News said they were promised 500 pounds to perform the th- in theme costumes that weekend. They each said the script they were given appeared AI-generated because of its gibberish wording. And when and when they showed up for the rehearsal Friday night, more alarms bell more alarm bells went off. So it sounds like uh, the like event organizers who were Illuminati, they were, I think they're called like something Illuminati or something like that. I should probably try to dig this up. Um, House of Illuminati. So, I mean, that's a little sussy bussy, maybe. I don't know. I'm not really fucking for the group that's actually saying they're the Illuminati. Like, like just dead on. There's no cheekiness here. Like, you're with the Illuminati. Like, no, like that seems a little, little, little sussy bussy. Um, but then again, I mean, hey, if you're paying, then I'm 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 showing up. Like if we're talking from a worker perspective, a gig perspective, you're like, hey, a gig is a gig. I, I, if I can pull off being an oompa loompa, then I'll wear the paint. Sure, whatever. Give me the wig. Um, I, I don't care who's paying, who's cashing my check. But like when you get here, and then they, I, I, there's someone who says, hey, we get here to rehearsal. They don't even have the costumes ready. We get through the end of rehearsal. Next day, we get here. It doesn't seem like things are much better. Um, so yeah, I mean, people get here, there's pandemonium, shit's just going bad, and eventually it gets so bad that people are, like, demanding refunds, and they're not getting them immediately, I think, uh, House of Illuminati said, hey, we will issue a refund, it takes about, like, 10 business days, obviously people weren't hearing that, so the, the cops get called, um, essentially they're not gonna be able to do anything, they're just kinda trying to keep the peace, um, but yeah, I mean, definitely a whole ass fucking like scene. I wish I could find the name of the guy um, who, oh Billy Billy Cool Billy Cowell, whatever the company's director. Um, but yeah, I mean, since everything has kind of hit the fan, he hasn't really responded to any requests. Um, he's kind of wiped his internet presence, gone dark, if you will. So yeah, I mean. Some people are, are comparing this scam, like uh, some of the people who are the victims, are comparing this scam to Friarfest. I wouldn't say it's as bad as Friarfest. Like, you and your children weren't stuck on a random island with, like, tomatoes in a fucking, you know, to-go tray to eat, okay? It's not that bad, but I will say it's it's definitely, you, you can call it a scam, for sure. Especially if you don't get your money back. Yeah, that's a grift. They got you, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe Mia Culpa here on coming for the, the parents. Like I said, I can understand, maybe this is me just not having kids and saying, hey man, like my kids are barking down my door or I just saw this thing and my, I think my kid would just love to have some sweets and look at a guy with a crazy top hat. Like, you know, it's something to kill a Saturday, man, I'll take anything. So, you know. By all means, I get it. Um, hopefully, they get some kind of compensation. I know the event place. I know I'm a little sloppy here on the end. 
but the event place said, hey, like, we were not responsible for this. We thought this was just going to be an on-the-level event. Uh, Box Hub. So they're trying to say they've been in contact with several parents. They're offering up the venue to, like, host a space and um, try and make up for it. So I don't know if that's like, going to be a free of charge thing. I don't know what you would do. Like, hey, now we're going to come back to the event hall and it's minus the couple of lollipops and the, the shitty food. I don't know. But hopefully whatever happens gets worked out. If I do find out anything, I will definitely keep you abreast of that information. Um, but yeah, we'll go ahead and call it. Oh, I went a little longer than usual. My bad. Um, but if you'd like to help out and support, you can become a newsie today. Shout out at the top of the month. Plug a project if you like. Uh, free ways to hit me up. IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. Feel free to follow me or the podcast on any of the socials. Hit me up there. And you can always hit me up in the comments of this episode. Um, if you're listening on YouTube while you're there, you could give me a subscription, a little uh, yeah, subscribe button. Hit that. Um, or on any of your platforms you listen to, it's, it's always helpful. It's always useful to do that. Hit the like button. Give me all the stars, whatever is applicable. Feel free to share. That's cool. That'd be, if, if, if you would be so bold, uh, it would mean a lot. But truly... It means the world to me that you've listened. You know, I, I say this a lot when I when I remember, when I can, even though I'm running long here. Uh, it really does mean this so much that you tune in. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for being a friend. And hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.